Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do do I give to you. My peace, the peace of Christ, may it be with all of you. This Sunday, said December 10th, 2023 at St. Peter's, we'll be marking the second Sunday of Advent, and one of our folks will be lighting the candle of peace. Peace is something that I, I can't really do a riff on. This is an introduction to the sermon, which actually is not about peace, so I'm going to stop myself there, but I do wish you Christ's peace, a peace that passes human understanding. The sermon is about preparing the highway for our God, inspired by the passage you'll hear in Isaiah 40, and also again in Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel. Begins in Mark with the coming of John the Baptist, who preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's his way of letting us know how to prepare a highway for our God to get ready for the coming of Messiah. The sermon lifts up what what is repentance and how it's a word of hope, not a word that should make us fear judgment, though whenever judgment is implied, that means take it as a warning. We still have time. God's waiting to welcome us back if we have gone astray, because repentance really means to return. And I talk about that. And to, for God to ask us to come back, well, that's good news. That's a word of hope and peace. So I'll talk a bit about that and um, how that, and what are ways that we get ready for the way, to, how do we prepare the highway? How do we make the valleys lifted up and the hills and mountains made low? How do we make the rough places smooth and the uneven places a plain? Well, that's what the sermon is about. And I talk about it for individuals with a personal example, congregations, and also society. Give a bit of a little different kind of uh, food for thought there. So I hope you enjoy this message. It's called Under Construction. And I will con- I'll br- bring our intro to a close, excuse me for faltering there, with a brief word of prayer if you have a chance to uh, pray silently with me. Marvelous God, you are further away than we can imagine, and yet you are so close, and you want us to be closer. Help us to know what to do to get closer. Show us the way. Give us what we need to carry out your will, as well as knowing what your will is for us. Bless this listening time to this message that it may bring a blessing to all those who hear. And we pray for your spirit to guide us as we think about what we hear and how we might apply it to our lives, to our churches, and to the work we do on for the benefit of the world. This we ask in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. And now our scriptures. Good morning. Our gospel reading today refers to a voice crying in the wilderness. In this day and age, like in many before, the scriptures themselves are like a voice crying in the wilderness, with not enough people really listening. 
We don't want to be like those who do not hear. And so we ask the Spirit's blessing upon the readings this morning. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we ask that the words which we are about to hear may, like seeds, be so firmly planted in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of faithful discipleship to the honor and praise of your holy name. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading on the second Sunday of Advent is a familiar one to many of us. It is Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. As scholars name the sections of this long book of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 55 have been called Second Isaiah and the Book of the Consolation of Israel. This reading begins it. Israel has been in exile in Babylon. The prophet is called to announce God's coming. <clears throat> comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare for the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out! And I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass. <clears throat> Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Our second reading is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through the first part of verse 15. This is part of the writer's discussion about the day of the Lord, a day of judgment and deliverance when Christ returns. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, 
and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. This ends the reading of the Epistle lesson. Will those who are able please stand for the reading of the Gospel? Our Gospel passage this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Most scholars believe that Mark was the first Gospel to be written. So here are the first verses of the first Gospel. Unlike the other three Gospels, Mark starts off with prophecy and its fulfillment in the adult John the Baptist. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here ends the reading from the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of God of life, for the life of the people of God. Now, did you notice when Peter was reading the scriptures that they all have something in common? It's not about peace, although this is when we lit the candle of peace. It's about the coming of the Lord. If you were here last Sunday when I talked about dramatic eschatological language for apocalyptic literature, well, you heard some of that this morning in 2 Peter. Not all of today's passages are like that, not Isaiah particularly. In one way or another, though, all of those texts are passages that are calls for you and me and the church, if not the world, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Now, there are so many ways that we can answer that call. As you can tell by the sermon title, I like Isaiah's talk of building a highway for God. Make straight in the desert what is now crooked. 
lift up the valleys, make the mountains and hills low, and so on. Now, it doesn't specify that we humans awaiting God's arrival are to do all of the building, but in Mark's Gospel, John the Baptist appeared to do it and to get us working on our own construction to get ready for Christ. In fact, John used that most favorite word of preachers and lay folk alike to describe the construction of the Lord's highway, repentance. Having heard that word, if you're tempted to tune out now, please don't, because repentance, far from threatening certain judgment, is a word brimming with hope. Yes, hope and peace when we get down to it. Repentance is what John said the people needed to do to get ready for the Lord's arrival. It means to change your mind, yes. It means to change your direction so you're facing Jesus instead of facing away from him, yes. It means fundamentally to return. The Hebrew word for return or repentance is the same, shuv. It gets translated as return or repentance, return to the Lord. Now, a return means we're welcome back. We're loved and wanted despite any falling short that we've done. A return means we get a second chance. We get an opportunity to learn from our mistakes and stop making them by the grace of God. Repentance is not dreary or sad or ominous. If we fulfill it to the best of our ability, it's liberating. And it occurred to me that repentance, the word is often confused with confession like they're the same thing. Inspired by the 1970s movies, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers, I became interested in the king of that movie, the French King Louis XIII, or Louis XIII. Well, during his time, there was a theological debate about the difference between confession and repentance. Was confessing one's sins good enough to receive God's mercy, or was repentance different and what was required? Now, those debating it in that court decided confession of sins was sufficient. But in truth, repentance is what John, Jesus, and Matthew called for. Confession is necessary but it does not equate to a change of mind or direction. Even more, in Luke, John wanted repentance that bears fruit. That means proof of the change. If you and I and St. Peter's and others were to think of repentance as one key way to prepare the way of the Lord, to build that highway on which the Messiah appears, we'd know, we'd need to know, excuse me, if we were to think of that, as one key way, then we need to know what parts of us need to be changed or cut out or improved. We talk about self-inventory during Lent when repentance comes up again. But the message of Advent, of preparing ourselves for the birth of Jesus and Christ's arrival, wants it as well. So what parts of our lives would you or I want to knowingly get rid of and replace it with something more godlike? I thought of this while we were taking the offering as an illustration that's not in the sermon, but it's a way of receiving some judgment, but it's a helping way to get better 
When I was a TA in political science as a senior at the University of Minnesota, it was my job to grade the blue book tests. And there were three of them during the course of the term. And I was a harsh grader, my professor said, but for every long-term or short-term essay, I wrote under the margins what they could have included to make it better. Second blue book test came, their answers were better. I did the same, you know, putting in, okay, you could have included this, you could have included that. The third time around, their answers were a whole lot better and their grades were a whole lot better as a result. That's an example of, okay, if we're getting some correction here, we need to make some changes to make it better. Speaking in a way that I did prepare for this sermon. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before from the pulpit or not, but one thing, and I know I've mentioned this to some people, but one thing I've been working on repenting of, trying to get better at, is A, interrupting people, and B, interrupting women. The hashtag MeToo movement, along with someone pointing out how I threw someone else under the bus in public without realizing the harm I had done, led me to analyze how I might treat other people, including women, in conversation, and not really realize what I'm doing because I don't mean any harm. Is it possible that I interrupt women more often than I do men? I don't know, but maybe. What does that mean? Do I hurt people without knowing it in other kinds of examples? If these are so, it's got to change. And that starts with being aware of the problems. It helps if someone constructively brings it to your attention as someone did to me. So when I become aware, when we become aware of things that God is asking us to stop or to do better at, I ask God for help. Like I did decades ago, ask for help in stopping my swearing, which worked. What do we need to clean out our minds and hearts and lifestyles, our egos, so that we are really ready and eager for not only Christ to be born, but for Christ to come and live within us more, more and more fully. That's a kind of return, is it not? It's a form of repentance, of making crooked paths smooth and uneven places within ourselves plain and even. It's a way of building the personal highway for Christ to come into me and us and live in me and us and through us by God's grace. It's a way of returning to the God who loves us and for this God to come to us. What about asking some of the same questions to congregations, including St. Peter's? What might we as a church have to repent of, to lift up valleys and make our uneven ground level? Where have we possibly hurt people without realizing it? Or where have we sold ourselves short because of a lack of faith in God to use us? How might our relationship to God become stronger if we did some self-reflection and saw there are ways God is calling us to change and thereby return. Well, next year, we expect to spend some time with the United Church of Christ's local church profile. It asks questions of the church, filling it out, and some of those questions do call for reflection. 
or an inventory of our past, present, and even our hopes for the future. It is a tool for discernment, for strategic planning for local churches. It could lead us out of our comfort, this is what we do zones. It can also be an instrument for returning to our God and finding the Lord approaching us on a highway that we've put back under construction. Everyone's participation is going to be invited, so keep a watch out for those developments in 2024. Well, what about the next step that could be under construction to return to the Lord and receive God's coming to save? I've lifted up the personal and the congregational. How about the larger societal realm? I know we're in a secular society, but our faith has often had an impact on this country's direction and policies, from abolitionists to suffrage for women, from lobbying for oppressed laborers and child labor to witnessing for peace, from civil rights to human rights, from being part of the ecology movement to ringing the alarm of climate crisis. People of faith have sought ways to communicate morality, equality, and compassion to the halls of power. Not that this is easy, or that good people of faith always agree. We know better than that. But it's not enough to buy our silence. Oh, we won't all agree. We can't do anything prophetic. Don't let that, we shouldn't let our silence be bought by intimidation. We can return to God societally by reclaiming, and by the church, speaking to society, by reclaiming the prophetic tradition where needed in hopes that it shall be heeded. We'll welcome the Lord more warmly and welcomely if our lives already are in sync with God's kingdom values of fairness and love and honesty and, and truth. In this week's edition of Weekly Seeds, that's a UCC resource for preachers written by UCC pastors, the Reverend Cheryl Lindsay, you may recognize the name, she shares provocative words from her colleague, the Reverend Mia McLean. Mia McLean is senior pastor of Riverside Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. She begins her reflection on Isaiah 40 by talking about leveling uneven places. She included a drawing some of you have seen. Actually, it's two drawings, where there are three children standing on boxes, looking over a fence to see or not see a ball game. The first drawing shows the three kids, one tall, one medium height, and one young and short, each standing on boxes that are the same size. Each kid stands on a box. The box is the same height, but the, the little kid still cannot see over the fence at all. The medium height kid can just get his head over, and the tall kid is fine. This drawing is called equality because they all have the same size box. The next drawing is of the same three kids, but the tall kid is either not on a box at all because he doesn't need it and he can stand and still see it well over the fence. The middle kid is on a higher box than before, and the short kid is on the highest box. Now they all have the same view over the fence to watch the game. This drawing is to demonstrate not equality because these boxes aren't the same size, 
but equity. And then she writes, after she's put these drawings in her, in her uh, piece, she says, many of you are familiar with this image. I remember seeing this for the first time and so many things beginning to make sense for me. I was living in New York City, a place where no one is stranger to economic disparity. There are two Park Avenues, the people told me when I arrived in 2011. I worked at a restaurant on the Upper East Side near the wealthy Park Avenue, the section lined with multi-million dollar condominiums that rarely go on sale. Old money. Revitalized stone exteriors and marble interiors that hold, she's called, the secrets of exploitation. The many billionaire millionaires that call this Park Avenue home have personal drivers. They do not have to endure the stench of the aging subway system that now floods with every heavy rain. At the end of a double shift, I'd often hop a taxi uptown. As the street numbers got higher, the luxuriousness dropped. By the time we crossed 96th Street, it was, as an 80s sitcom theme song said, a different world than where you come from. The other Park Avenue was a different world, no less exciting or enthralling. She continued, I do not mean to oversimplify the issue of equity, and yet as I'm sitting with Isaiah 40 verse 4, I cannot help but think about the multiple benefits a level playing field would have had, could still have. Isaiah 40, verse 4, by the way, is, quote, Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. That's the construction of God's highway for us, for churches, and a larger society to prepare for God's complete arrival. And then, Isaiah wrote, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Reverend McLean cites scholar Edward Kitoko Nsiku about this verse, who said, apart from a few messianic asides, the prophet Isaiah has, up to this point, been interested in Israel and Judah over the short-term view. Now, he turns to more long-term prophecies, which will be fulfilled after his death. Thus, Isaiah knows that he will not see all the fruits of his labor in his lifetime, that God's justice is not going to be a quick fix or take a microwavable approach. This good news becomes hard news for many of us who are used to fast food, fast service, fast internet, next-day delivery, same-day delivery, and DoorDash. This passage, McLean says, comes to a people who cannot see over the fence, who have not been able to see over the fence for several generations, yet who still have a hope that one day the lowly will be lifted. Now, the desert has been a place of discovering God or returning to God. In this desert, in this desert, a way will be made. God would show God's self in an unexpected place on the highway of construction. This way and the rough, unexpected place will be a smooth road with no obstructions. The hills are brought down. Perhaps, she suggests, the road under construction in Isaiah where this is happening can be likened to a shifting of the boxes on, on upon which the three people stand. 
She said, rewritten in this context, Isaiah 40 might say, every shorter person who desires a box to stand on shall get one. And every taller person who doesn't need a box shall give their box away. This seems like a simple redistribution of resources, yet most societies throughout history have struggled to bring this to fruition. And this presupposes, end of quote, this presupposes that one sees such liberating equity as part of the realm and the values of the kingdom and God's own self. Personally, congregationally, societally, let us prepare that highway for the coming of our God and Sovereign. As Second Peter wrote, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening, and hastening the coming of the day of God? All these ways of preparation may hasten the coming of that day, and that is good news. Amen. A closing thought on the sermon that you just listened to. Um, that last scripture quote from Second Peter about um, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, I think that might be the only reference in the scriptures about how we on earth could affect God's timing in this way hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Um, I'd always thought that, you know, it's all, it's all up to God, and God's going to do it when he, God's going to do it. Um, and what we do isn't going to change things. But that one, and you can't make a theology out of a single verse in the Bible. That's very dangerous. Or it can be very dangerous. But that one and I think maybe it's lingering with me because it was the last thing in the sermon that I said and I didn't elaborate and that was because of time. It was also because, you know, it was primarily because of time, but also because my attention to that verse came late in the sermon writing process uh, because I was, as you could tell, focusing on Isaiah particularly and really not much on Second Peter, but I did, you know, return to those scriptures during the process of writing the sermon, and um, that stuck out to me. And I thought, this fits the rest of what I'm trying to say: preparing the highway. And I do believe God has something to do with preparing the highway, also uh, preparing it through us, and. Um, and really, God's the one that can make mountains go down and valleys go up. And uh, you may have even thought that there were echoes of Isaiah 40 in the Magnificat, in the Gospel according to Luke. That's something I I, I practiced the, the sermon. You know, every Sunday I, I, I give it a one, once through, a, re a rehearsal, as it were, a practice. And... Uh, in an aside, in the rehearsed version, I, I did mention the Magnificat as being kind of reflective of this uh, change in the situations which prepares the highway 
for the Lord. But to that 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 uh, unplanned and unscripted practice uh, reference to the Magnificat didn't make it into the sermon. Um, but maybe some of you thought about that anyway. And so just to bring that thought back that it's not all us. It never is all us. Because in another way of thinking, it's all God. Or as a former fellow religious volunteer at Cook County Jail used to say from time to time, it's all God, man. It's all God. So, with that thought, I thank you once again for tuning in to the Redheaded Preacher podcast. And I ask and hope that God will bless you and that God will bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Redheaded Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 